to come and speak to us uh, as we move through our series in 1 Peter. Uh, I'm just going to read the passage um, that he's going to be speaking from today. Uh, so he's, it's 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 to 17. And again, on these Bibles on the tables, that's on page 1,219. If you turn to page 1,219 uh, in these blue Bibles on your tables, um, I'll just read 1 Peter chapter 3 and the first 17 verses before Dan comes. So, it says this. Wives, in the same way, submit yourself to your husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, Love one another. Be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who is it going to harm if you're eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behaviour in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better, if it is God's will, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Dan's already started. Yeah. Um, uh, it's lovely to be able to come and bring God's 
Word to us today. Um, last last week I didn't manage. I only got man- halfway through um, the sermon last um, last week, and so I'm going to be covering a bit of the end of chapter two because it links in with today's passage. Um, so we're going to try. We've got a lot of moving to do. So keep the Bibles open, please. Um, have that with you. We're going to glance back at the end of chapter two as well in a moment. But I was reflecting on last week's uh, topic, looking at submission. And reflected on it and battled with it really, and was just thinking how how can Peter really say to these um, to these fellow believers that are facing their brothers and sisters are facing death, they're facing persecution, potential death, and yet he's saying submit yourselves to the earthly authorities that God has put in front of you. And in the one sense, it's kind of easy for us today in our society thinking, yes, our, our leaders aren't perfect. Um, they do things that are, that are imperfect, but actually submitting to them is a lot easier than sub- submitting to someone like Nero, isn't it? But he does call them, even to people like Nero, submit to them. And so I wanted to kind of just reflect really quickly back over that for those that weren't here, and also for us so that we've got it clear in our head about what Peter's theology, what Peter's beliefs are that are about um, submission. And so he says three things, basically, to summarise There is no authority except from God. The greatest human ruler should humbly confess he is where he is by virtue of God's sovereign appointment. God has put um, every leader where he is, and every leader should submit to God first and foremost, but they don't. Nevertheless, some rulers and governments are good, some are bad. We experience a pretty good one, don't we, on the whole? Not always perfect. Some uh, Some reward the right and punish the wrong. Others do the reverse, don't they? We know of countries that they, the good are the ones that are ostracized, the good the ones that suffer. Most do a little bit of both. Thirdly, Peter is talking about that we should always submit and seek to submit to our authorities willingly and in the one sense there are no, no, aren't, there are no exceptions apart from one if it depends on whether the demands of the governing authorities require us to disobey Jesus. If we are required to disobey Jesus, we cannot submit. And that is good and right and will be hard at times. And we talked about how it's good to, to talk about that with one another for those things that maybe we're struggling with or difficulties where we're not sure whether we can submit or not. That's why we have God's word and that's why we have one another to work that through. And there will be things that come up in our lives that we're thinking, oh, can I submit in that area? How do we do that? What does that look like? Well, we do so with honour and respect. We fear God first and foremost. And Peter says, doesn't he, in Acts, he says all this, but then in Acts he also stands up and says, we must obey God rather than than men. He was faced with that situation. We'll talk about it a little bit later. But we are also to honour and respect our leaders. So Peter is saying, honour and respect the dictator Nero, Seek to do so in the areas that you can. There are no exceptions apart from, like, if you, if you can pay your taxes, pay your taxes. Keep the law of the land. Don't give those around you any more ammunition to say that you aren't pro-society. Be pro-society. Do what you can to bless the society. Don't let them criticize you for that. And we'll do it for the Lord's sake. But not at the extent of... Um, of not at the extent of not submitting to Christ first and foremost. Well, chapter 3 continues along the lines of submission. Suffering for doing good. 
And he talks about, first of all, he, he talks about marriage. He talks about marriage. I'm not going to go into this uh, verses 1 to 8 particular, for a particularly long time. I just want to kind of basically cover this really quickly. And I'm going to send out an email this week with some really good resources and a good sermon to listen on this, because this is probably like four, worse, four sermons worth of content just in the first eight verses of this chapter. But I will send some stuff out to you, but just really quickly. But what he's saying is, what happens specifically if you're a married woman to an unbeliever? What do you do in that situation? What does submission look like? And I love how the Bible does speak into specific situations. This is a situation maybe someone's going through or that we know is going through. How does a wife submit to an unbelieving husband? Well, the principle of submission is the same. It's done so with respect. It's done so with honor to the husband. And it is through the wife's behavior, how she acts, that is an example of the gospel to try and win him over for Christ. Talks about caring more for your inner beauty, caring more for her inner beauty than for her outer adornment, what she looks like. For the inner beauty shines through and does not fade or spoil. But what he's not saying, and I will point this out because I think it's good to say this, is Peter is not saying submit to an abusive husband. He's not saying that. And that's why I want to send some stuff out that gives us a little bit more, um, more detail for you. He's not saying that at all. But the basic principle of submission is the same. Win believers over by your behavior. Win believers over by your behavior. And if you just glance back to chapter 2 for me, please, 18 to 25. Here is where Paul, so Peter introduces unjust suffering. And so I'm just going to grab a Bible. find it okay. so it reads this starting at verse 18 slaves in reverent fear of god submit yourself to your masters not only to those who are good and considerate but also to those who are harsh for it's commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of god But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his footsteps. He committed no sin, no deceit was found in his mouth. When they held their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that, the weight, um, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were like sheep going astray, but now you have been uh, turned over, turned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Peter makes a really challenging statement in here. He's basically saying, and we need to wrestle with this, Suffering and righteousness, so righteousness, us being made right with God, but us, the ongoing process of of obeying Christ more and more in our lives goes hand in hand with suffering. The closer we're walking with Jesus, the more obedient we are to him, the likelihood is we will suffer more. Not guaranteed, but there's a chance. 
the closer we walk with Jesus, the more likely unjust suffering to come our way. So our idea of suffering has to be rooted in the gospel, not what we want it to say. Wouldn't it be nice if it said, oh, the better my relationship with Jesus is going, the less I'm going to suffer. But that's not what it is. Look at the example of Jesus. He suffered, didn't he? And so the reality, there's a reality of unjust suffering. And the readers that Peter was speaking to are, un- are suffering unjustly. In verses 18 to 25, we just read, it is about how, how Peter addresses how servants, that's household slaves, should deal with their masters. Masters that are not being particularly good to them. And so hopefully we may well be aware that slavery in the first century is different to the slavery that we maybe think of in more modern day terms. In, in, in more modern day, in the last few hundred years, um, people were bought and sold into slavery, were um, ab- abused. Whereas in the first century, some of that did happen, but the majority of slavery, over 50% of the Roman Empire were slaves, many of whom put themselves into slavery because it meant they got a job, they got a house, and they were supposed to be cared for by their masters. They did the work for them. Some were doctors, some were tutors, often well-educated. And so that's what Peter's speaking into here. The New Testament doesn't say um, slavery is good, but it's speaking specifically into the context of what was going on at the time. We are not slaves. But we do suffer unjustly, don't we, at times? Maybe you can think back to a time where you have suffered unjustly. Maybe at the hands of a boss. Maybe at the hands of a family member. Maybe even within a marriage. How can we persevere, stand firm when we're unjustly suffering? How can we respond in unjust suffering? Peter's theme of the letter. We will likely suffer unjustly. And for Peter, who he's writing to at this moment, these were Christians that were blamed for every single problem in society. It was their fault. This small little sect of people were blamed for everything that was going wrong. But... This is Peter's teaching. Be subject, bear with unjust suffering, and keep your conduct honourable. How do we do that? How do we do that in the face of unjust suffering? Be subject, bear unjust suffering, keep your conduct honourable. Well, there's been times in my life where I have been called in by my boss to say, Dan, your work's not quite up to scratch. You need to, be, you need to work a bit harder. Or you need to do some better work. That is not unjust suffering. That is, pull my finger out and do my work and do it well. But I have got a story of a time where I have been unjustly dealt with. And I, just, I think it's helpful sometimes to have personal stories um, about these things. And so about 10 years, eight or nine years ago, when I moved to my second school, I got a job at this other school. And I was told before I went, just after I got the job, do you know your line manager is a little bit difficult? I went, it'll be fine. Don't worry. Don't worry about it at all. It'll be fine. I look, took it on face value. I want to give everybody the opportunity and the chance. How wrong I was. <laughs> From day one, Life became very, very tough. Hold off in front of children. Hold off in front of staff. 
and in staff meetings, shouted at. I was not the only one, but it really was being dealt with unjustly. I was diligent at that point. I was working hard, did my best. Could have done things better, I'm sure. And for a while, for a good while, I took it graciously. Always spoke well of the person, never said anything bad. Then came breaking point when I got hurled in front of the head teacher and shouted at for 15 minutes about something I had no idea what was going on about that I supposedly had done, not done as it turned out. The head had been fed it false information from my line manager because they were thinking about giving me a job to promote me over her. She found out and made up some stories about me, which meant I didn't get the job, and she did. Um, how did I react? How did I react? I'd love to say that I didn't say a word. And I took it on the chin and I said, pray for her and I hope she does well. That would be a fabrication of the truth. I broke my silence. When people complained about her, I joined in. I said, yeah, she's terrible, isn't she? You hear what she did to me? Anyway, not my proudest moment. But I broke. I didn't persevere in the face of unjust suffering. Maybe you have similar experiences. Maybe you have been dealt with unjustly. Maybe there's a little bit of bitterness there. I think I've let go of it. I'm getting it. I have let go of it. Um, but maybe it's not at work. Maybe it's at the school gates where you're being ostracized by people because of your faith. Your child's not invited to a party because they know that you're a Christian and they're worried what you're going to say to them. Maybe it's a family member that you're left out in the cold at, at parties sat away from people that you'd love to be sat by. Maybe it's one of the many different things. Unjust suffering happens, especially for our faith. And Peter is preparing his readers that we have an unbreakable foundation that will help us persevere in the face of this. And so we're just going to see three quick things today. And well, here we go. As followers of Jesus, we can persevere through unjust suffering when we are mindful of him. We are mindful of him. And this is back in chapter 2, what I just read. Verse 19, it says, It's commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious, the ESV says, mindful of God. How is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, it's commendable before God. Peter calls us to a really good thing. Intentionally suffer, enduring with it, out of an awareness of God. Do it with an awareness of God. I always think he's really saying is out of a trust and a submission to God. Submit to him. Look what he says. Peter was the example. So Jesus was an example of this that Peter gives in the next verses. Jesus, when he was put in a, in a horrendous situation, he committed no sin. He did not retaliate when he suffered. He, he made no threats back. And look what he says in verse 23. Peter says he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He, Jesus, entrusted himself to God. He cared more of the Father's approval than of man's approval. That is our example. Each day I went into that hard work environment for several years. How many times did I do it, mindful of God, purposely entrusting myself to God? And I have to say, not many. I mean, I was suffering unjustly, but what made it worse was I wasn't doing it mindful of God, submitting myself to God and thinking, I'm enduring this, Lord, help me through this. But there are some wonderful truths in the Bible. There are many wonderful truths in the Bible, a lot of them. 
God is a God of justice and he will deal with this. Psalm 94 talks about the Lord will avenge our injustice. He will rise up for me and against the wicked who stand against me. He will rise up once, um, once and for all. Justice will be dealt with. Jesus returns. All wrongs will be made right. We do not have to take it into our own hands. How tempting it is to take it into our own hands, isn't it? We can trust that God will act justly on our behalf one day. He will right the wrongs. Verse 23, he says, it's a gracious thing. It's commendable. Endure that pain and sorrow now. Do so being mindful of God. Do so that he is with you. He goes with you into that workplace. I did not put on the full armor of God. I did not go in there mindful of God at times, knowing that he was with me and he felt my pain. He knew my suffering and he was with me. And I encourage us, whatever the situation is, the school gate, the family situation, the work situation, entrust yourself to God. Submit to him first and foremost. Obey him still. Be mindful of him as you go into that place. Well, secondly, as followers of Jesus, we can persevere through unjust suffering because we will ultimately be rewarded. Who likes a reward here? I love a reward. I absolutely love a reward. And we get lots of rewards in the Bible, don't we, from God? In chapter 4, Peter's going to talk specifically about unjust suffering caused as we lose temper and lash out at brothers and sisters in Christ. So he's going to go on to that specifically within the church. But he broaches it very quickly here in, in verse 8. He turns to uh, verse three, uh, chapter 3, verse 8. Finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. That is how we're to live within, with one another within the church. What Peter's saying is if we live like this with inside the church, we will be able to do it outside with those, with others. We seek to live sympathetic and love one another and compassionate and humble lives with one another, that brothers and sisters in Christ, that is going to help us do it outside in the outside world. There's his famous words. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. Instead, what are we to do? Repay evil with blessing. And how hard is that? How hard is it when you are about when you've got the opportunity to badmouth someone for having a go at you or doing, or doing something against you? Rightfully so, they've done evil to you. How hard is it in that moment not to bite back and say something? How hard is it? When that mum ignores you on the school gates, when your kid isn't invited to that party because, of you, because they know that you're Christians, and the family member won't sit next to you, says that cutting comment once more. Not coming back with evil is so hard, isn't it? But Peter commands us as believers, it is never right for us to do that. But we are to react with genuine, not fake, blessing. Blessing is a positive statement towards someone. It's a request that he or she would find favor with God. And I can tell you, I found that so, I found that so hard. I'm praying that over my line manager. Bless you for having done that to me. That's what we're to do. It's what we're called to do. Peter says we do this. Jesus did. We're to follow in his steps. 
There's two helpful ideas that I want us to look at on this very quickly. As Christians, we are called to this work of giving blessing in exchange for evil and insult. It's not a choice. It's a calling that we have. That's part of our purpose. Isn't that amazing to think that part of our purpose is to give blessing in exchange of evil? That's what we've been set apart to do. And that is why it's such a powerful tool for social change. Only forgiveness can break the cycle of revenge. We have been forgiven so much, and we're to pass that on, even when evil has been done to us. And, and I just reminded this story. I think I've told this once before, but Gordon Wilson, who was uh, in 1987, him and his daughter went to a Rem- Remembrance Day event in Northern Ireland, and the IRA had planted a bomb that they timed perfectly to go off during that service. Eleven people were killed. Him and his daughter were trapped under the rubble. Five minutes before they were pulled out, his daughter said her last words. Daddy. I love you very much. He died on her way to hospital. But the BBC later described the bombing as a turning point in the Troubles because the attack shook the IRA to its core. And pivotal to the change in the attitudes towards this sort of attack was Wilson's reaction to the death. He was 60 at the time, and he stood up on TV and publicly forgave the people that bombed. He also begged no one was to take revenge. He pleaded not for them not to. But we may, I pray, never be put in that situation. But whatever we're going into, our unjust suffering, we are to repay, repay evil with blessing. Maybe it's just a simple thing of a quick prayer before going into the workplace. I wish I'd done more of that. Or the school gates, or that family meal. Remembering that you are going there to, to set apart, to be set apart, to bless them with whatever they come out with. Do not repay evil with insult. Uh, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. Because to this you were called. And secondly, because we're going to inherit a blessing. We inherit a blessing. As Christians, we inherit a blessing. We receive something that we don't deserve. We don't bless others in order to obtain that. We don't receive that as an earthly blessing now, but we look forward to the future inheritance, the blessing that we will receive, our future salvation, something we don't deserve. And that's why we do it. A really um, helpful quote from Juan Sanchez. He says this, As you seek to bless, even as you suffer, you can know that you are walking towards your inheritance. It is as if you live the Christian life that you can look forward to life. And it is is as you live the Christian life that you can look forward to life with Christ. You seek to bless even as you suffer. You can know that you are walking towards your inheritance. It is as you live the Christian life that you can look forward to life with Christ. Suffering makes us look above to the future. And then if you turn to verse 10, chapter 
Peter quotes um, Psalm 34. Whoever would love life and see good days, that means inherit blessings of our future and salvation. We, um, then as Christians, we must respond how our, sorry, we will respond in such a way that reflects our new life in Christ. This is how we should respond in verse, the rest of verse 10. We must keep our tongues from evil, our lips from deceitful speech. Verse 11, we must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. In every situation, our purpose is to do good and to seek peace. This is make every effort to do good works. Not because it saves us, not because it makes us right with God, but because it's an example and it's proof of our transformation in coming to Christ. We will grow in doing good and offering peace and not returning evil with evil, but with blessing. Why? For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. His ears are attentive to their prayer. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil. But we can, as followers of Jesus, we can persevere through unjust suffering because we will be ultimately rewarded. That great future inheritance. And then finally, as followers of Jesus, we can persevere through unjust suffering when we fear God and not man. When we fear God and not man. I think what makes enduring suffering um, hardest is, is in the context of particularly when we're talking about unjust suffering because of our faith, is fear. We're fearful. We're a fearful people, aren't we? Maybe we're fearful of losing someone, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a friend, a job, a career opportunity, our lives. But Peter's talked a lot about fear in the last couple of chapters. We're to fear God first and foremost. And that's not saying that, God's, that we should fear God because he's going to zap us the moment we do something wrong. That's not how God works. But we fear God because that means that we have him in the highest place, a reverent fear. That means a deep respect for who he is and what he's done. And there that leads to submission, that leads to obedience. We have nothing to fear. And we need to encourage each other in this. We have nothing to fear from anybody. Peter says in verse 13, who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? Who is going to harm you if you're, eager to, if you're eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. Do not be frightened. We have nothing to fear. Keep doing good works. Keep blessing evil. We will receive the promised inheritance. No amount of harm anyone can do means we can forfeit our inheritance. Not even death. No one can harm us because even if when we do suffer, we will be blessed for doing so and we receive that great reward. The question that has been on my, that I've been rattling around my brain this week. How different would my life look if I didn't, if I didn't fear anything because I knew the worst that could happen that I get to enjoy my inheritance earlier than I expected. What a way to live. Not fearful of anyone or anything. Because I know what's the worst thing that can happen? I get to go with Jesus and enjoy him for longer. You Maybe pray this for yourselves this week. So I'm praying for myself daily. Lord, give me this level of faith. Replace my fear with hope. Place your fear with 
replace your fear with hope. We're no longer afraid to honour Christ as Lord because of our hope that we have in him. Let's not be fearful. But it requires, in verse 15, Peter knows it's our hearts. But in your hearts, revere Christ, he says in verse 15. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. This can't be forced. It can't be made up. It can only be coming from the heart. And it takes submitting our lives each and every day to him. When we fear Christ with a healthy fear, we won't fear man. We won't. And then, in verse 15, he says, we'll always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks, um, for everyone who asks you to give the reason for the, the hope that you have. Even in the midst of our suffering, especially in the midst of unjust suffering, we will then get an opportunity to share a reason for our hope, maybe with the person that's persecuting us, or maybe with those around. What an opportunity it would have been for me to, in, that, in that situation of unjustly suffering in the, in the workplace if I'd have not spoken badly of this woman, and if I'd have just repaid blessing with, with the evil with blessing. And when people ask, why do you do that, Dan? I could have given a great reason for my hope of why I do that. We do so with gentleness and respect. Not easy to do. Peter knew that when we're suffering, it is harder to bless than to repay evil with evil. But, just to finish with, there's anyone that can write these words, as we've said before, it is Peter. Peter, who denied Jesus three times, and then he has this miraculous turnaround. The gift of the Holy Spirit is given, and then what happens? He's standing behind, he's standing with the same people that sentenced Jesus to death. Look what he says. If he, well, sorry, it's not on the screen, but it's in Acts chapter 4, verses 10 to 12. He says this. In front of, this, um, in front of the um, Jewish council, he says this. Then you know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. When the council saw his courage of Peter and John, they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, and they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Peter went from fearful man to hope in Christ and stood up in front of the council and said those things. And the persecutors realized that he had been with Jesus. Wouldn't that be great for people to be able to say to us, we realize that we followed Jesus because of how we've handled things. Just to finish with, one sentence says this, it is truly better to speak of Christ, whatever the cost, than to deny him. It is better to live with Christ as Lord and, not, and be persecuted than to live in comfort and never live or speak for him. What challenging words. It is truly better to speak of Christ, whatever the cost, than to deny him. It is better to live with Christ as Lord and be persecuted than to live in comfort and never live or speak for him. Living living the life of Christ, whether that comes with suffering or not. That is the best way to live. So in our unjust suffering, it's likely to come our way as we obey Christ, but we can persevere, encourage us to be mindful of him, entrust ourselves to him. Remember that our reward, our reward is our certain inheritance that we will receive. And as we fear God more, we will not fear man. We will stand up for him.
Um, I think we're going to finish there. Um, there are some questions that I encourage you to maybe take a picture of. I'll send these out in the week as well. But maybe in your GCs or in your own quiet time this week, maybe ask yourself these questions. These have really challenged me. Again, they're from the, um, the commentary that I'm reading on 1 Peter. And these really stuck with me. How would your life, behavior, and words be different if you really did not fear anything because you knew you cannot lose God's love for you? What amazing truth that is. How, how would we behave differently? How would we live if we really didn't fear man, but only feared God? I won't go through the ones, but do please take a picture and I'll email these out. But I'm just going to pray for us as we um, close our time now. Um, Father God, I pray that you would please give us the faith to persevere in the midst of unjust suffering. Pray that you would grow our love for you. That we would put you in, our, in the rightful place as Lord and Savior of our lives. That we would revere you more than anything else. But I pray that for anyone here that is currently going through a situation where they are suffering unjustly, maybe especially for their faith. I pray that they would go into that situation being mindful of you, submitting to you, and obeying you still, even in the midst of difficulty. Not forgetting that you are there and go into that place with them, that you are with them every moment. And as those accusations come our way, or their way, the false gossip or anything like that, Lord, I pray that they would stand firm and Pay evil with blessing. Pray even this week for each of us that a situation may arise where we have an opportunity to choose um, uh, to repay evil with evil. But Lord, I pray that we would repay evil with blessing. Whether that's in the car when someone cuts us up, whether that's on the school gates when, uh, when we're shunned, whether that's in the workplace where we're overlooked for a promotion, Lord, I let, pray that our words would be seasoned with salt and that we would have a reason to be prepared for the reason of the hope that we have, that we'd be happy and excited to share that with those around us. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, that concludes our time today, but um, a couple of things. If anything that has been said today or any part of the gathering, you want to speak to someone, please come and grab